this morning? Good. Now, I'll just let you know right off the top, I'll preach a lot better if you answer back. So when I ask you a question, I'm ex actually expecting an answer. Don't be all quiet on me, okay? All right. I grew up in a church just like this, just down the road in a town called St. Thomas. My dad was a pastor there for 35 years, and I grew up literally on the front row of church. And this morning, I was thinking about the fact that it actually is Thanksgiving weekend, and I probably should have prepared a Thanksgiving message, but I didn't. I, haven't, I have a totally other message for you. So I just hope that you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and over the course of this weekend, at some point, you stop to give thanks to God for the things that he's done in your life and the things that he's brought into your life and everything that he has done, that word, um, whoever read that this morning, that we do need to be thankful for the things in our life every single day. A couple of the things that I'm thankful for are sitting right here. This is my husband, Mark. When I, <laughs> whoa, yeah, woo! When I moved from St. Thomas to St. Catharines, I met my husband. He's a farmer, so I traded tobacco and corn for peaches and grapes and, and ducks down in St. Catharines. And these are my two youngest daughters, Lexi and Carissa. Um, we have two other kids that are in university, and they haven't made their way back home this weekend yet, but we hope to see them tomorrow for our Thanksgiving dinner. Um, I do have a son and then three girls, so we have a house full of chatter, girly chatter. One of the things that I am most thankful for in my life is the day when God's grace found me. Even though I grew up on the front row of church and, and I grew up in Sunday school and I grew up listening to messages about the goodness of God, when I was a teenager, I decided that I didn't want any of that stuff anymore. It was actually a day, I remember the day. It was a very specific day in my life. I was in grade nine and my dad was on the local cable TV channel, which was great for him. Like, our church was about this size. We had cameras in the back, and he had this TV show that was on our local cable TV. Awesome for him. Not so great for me as a grade 9 student. And I remember walking into the cafeteria one day, and you know you're awkward, and it's, it's grade 9. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't even have friends here yet. And this Football player guy who was about two years older than me jumped up on the table and he started to preach one of my dad's messages, just like my dad, like just mimicking him. And I was so embarrassed, right? It's one of those like dun, dun, dun moments. I just like froze there. And that day I went home and I said, God, this Christian thing, it's not working for me. I don't fit in. I don't understand other people. And so I don't want that anymore. I'm going to actually figure this out on my own. And I made a decision that day to walk away from God, to walk away from everything that I had learned as a child in church, to walk away from his grace and his faith and, and everything, his love. I just wanted to carve out my own path, and I thought I could do a much better job of making my life awesome. And I wanted to prove to everyone in my small town of St. Thomas that I wasn't the goody-two-shoes pastor, preacher's kid that they all thought I was that I was bad and I wanted to be really bad, and I was. I was as bad as I could be for four years. And when I was 19, I was in church because I still lived in my parents' house. I was still under their roof, so I still had to go to church every week. And, you know, in, in our kind of churches, the drums and electric guitars, they're really loud when you're hungover. And I spent a lot of weekends sitting inside, in, I don't know, maybe someone can relate, uh, sitting in church hung over from the night before, but I had to be there. And I remember this one morning, I was 19, and I couldn't have felt farther away from God. 
And as the worship was ending, this woman walked over to me and she got up on the chairs in front of me and she grabbed my arms and she pulled me close and she said, God told me to come over here today and tell you that you are valuable to him. Well, I just broke because she, had, she would have had no idea what I had been through over the last few years and the path that I had taken for my life. And seriously, I felt like every step I took into that life of sin and that life away from God, I knew better. I knew better. I knew God's voice. I could hear him saying, don't go that way. Don't go down that path. But I just kept walking and kept walking. And so I had come to the point where I assumed his grace was no longer good enough for me because I had chosen to walk away. I didn't just make a mistake. It wasn't just a, oops, that happened. I purposely walked away from God. And so that morning, I rededicated my life to Christ at 19. And I remember coming up to an altar kind of like this at the end of the service. And I knelt down and I said, God, I've made a mess of my life. For the last four years, I've run as far and as hard as I can. And I have really made a mess of it. But I understand that you are a God who redeems things and you restore things. And you are a good father. And so I'm coming home. And even though I've made a mess of my life, I'm here today to say you can take it and you can do whatever you want to do with it. So if you redeem things, if you truly make things new, I'm here and I'm willing. The next thing I knew, my dad was turning the lights off at the back of the church and saying, honey, everyone's gone. It's time to go home. And I had had an encounter with the living God at that altar that day. And I got up, and those, those, those years of my life, it was like I was washed clean on the inside. I don't know if anyone can relate to that kind of experience. When God's grace comes into our life, and we feel like we've been washed clean. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. God makes us new on the inside. Our spirit man comes alive. There's this fresh force from inside of us. But I walked out the doors of that church and I walked back into a life that was really, really old. I was surrounded by my old family, my old friends, my old place of work. I was working at that time. I was, out of, I was finished school. I was surrounded by all of the old influences and the old things in my life. And so even though I felt new on the inside, there was a lot of old stuff around me. Not everything else changed. I still had to go back into the same workplace and back out with the same friends and figure out how do I live new in a really old world. And this is a struggle that Paul writes about a lot in his writings and, and throughout the scriptures. And really he dedicated the entire chapter of Romans 7 to this struggle. I call this message hashtag the struggle is real. There is a struggle that wars and wages war inside of us, the struggle between our spirit man and our old sinful nature, the struggle between this force inside of us that wants us to grow and wants us to be transformed and wants us to experience new and fresh things and everything around us and everything within us that has been conditioned to live in a sinful, broken state. And so there's this war. And in Romans chapter 7, Verse 21, it says this, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. 
Paul goes on and on with this, this dialogue, right? He's like, I really want to do what's good, but somehow I can't seem to do it all of the time. And I don't want to do what I know is wrong, but somehow I just end up, I keep doing that. And that's what I want to talk about today is this struggle. Because I think we can all relate to this struggle that wages war within us, in our hearts and our minds. We want to pursue God with everything we have, but the influences often around us and the things within us don't always want to do what God wants us to do. I kind of like to say it like this. Sometimes when I go to work, I don't have time in the morning to pack a lunch. Anybody ever been in that scenario? You're getting the kids out the door. You're in a rush. You had good plans because you want to eat right because you know it's good for you. And you didn't get your lunch packed. And you probably didn't even get breakfast on your way out the door. That happened to me a lot when I was working full time. And I'd get to my office and I'd grab a coffee and I'd say, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to go to Wendy's for lunch and I'm going to get the salad. And I know they have, they have great salads at Wendy's. They've got about five of them you can pick from. And I, I would think about that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to get the Mandarin one or maybe the taco one. But I'm going to get the salad when I go to Wendy's at lunch. And because I didn't eat breakfast, my stomach would be grumbling and I'd be super hungry. And I'd be at this point where I'm like, oh, I can't. it's 1130. Okay, half an hour. I can go for lunch. And I would go around the corner uh, of my officers at Wendy's just, just around the corner and pull up into the drive-thru. And I get to the window, I wait my turn in line, I pull up to that little speaker, and she says, what would you like today? And cheeseburger comes out of my mouth. And I'm like, no, what just happened? I really wanted the salad, and all morning I was planning that I was going to eat the salad, I was thinking about the salad, my mouth was watering for the salad, but when I got to that window, I said, cheeseburger, and I'm looking in my bag shocked, like, why is there a cheeseburger and fries in my bag? Because I really, really wanted to eat the salad. We can all relate to that because we, we do those things all of the time, Right? We kind of purpose our mind that we're going to do one thing, but we end up doing another. Now, it's funny when you eat a cheeseburger, except in the middle of the afternoon when I really start to regret eating the cheeseburger. But it's not so funny when we're under pressure in our lives and anger pops out of our mouth. Or we're in a tough situation at work and all of a sudden we yell at someone at work and we go, oh, where did that come from? Or maybe, maybe it's at home. Maybe we lose it on our husband or we yell at our kids. We have this great emotional reaction to something someone says to us. And we go, whoa, where did that come from? I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to be like that anymore. I'm not supposed to be that person anymore. I'm a Christian now. I'm following Jesus. I live for him. I'm not supposed to have outbursts like that. But a lot of times when we're under pressure in life, people will push our buttons. I didn't know that I was crazy until someone said something one day and I thought, I'm about to be crazy right now. I didn't know that that was inside of me until someone pushed on that area of my life and all of a sudden it popped out. I was like, what? That's still living inside of me. Because, because listen, a lot of times in church, we come in these doors and we sit with these lovely people and we want to be like them. And so what we do is a lot of behavior modification. 
we put a smile on and we come in and we stop swearing and we, we, we try to fit in with these lovely people because we, look at you guys, we want to be like you. But it's actually not life transformation, it's behavior modification. And so if we're not allowing Christ to get into the deep places of our heart and actually heal and transform them, that old nature is going to keep popping out all over the place. You're not going to be able to control it. I said last night, and, and I don't know, the crowd looks pretty young today, but I said it's kind of like weekend at Bernie's. We're carrying around this old dead guy. Now, when I was young, that was every youth pastor's sermon was weekend at Bernie's. And then the Matrix came out, and then everybody did that. But um, it, it's literally, I know, if you're under 35, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But it, it was a movie about these kids who carried around this dead guy because they just wanted to keep the party going all weekend. And it was like dead weight they were carrying around. And sometimes I feel like that's what we do. The Bible says that we we're supposed to crucify our old flesh and put it to death by the power of the Spirit that works inside of us. But a lot of times, I think we just bury him alive. I think we just cover it up. We put a mask on and we come into church with our smile and we pretend like that old life isn't there anymore. But if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with those things in our lives, they're always going to keep popping back up. And what happens when they pop up in our lives? What happens when you have that emotional outburst or that anger pops out of you? You immediately feel shame. Immediately. And then we run to things like we go and we pick up an old habit, like driving by Aven, do you have Avondale in this area? Or you have Max? What's your corner store? Circle K, what is that? <laughs> never, never heard of that one before. Okay. You go by Circle K and you buy a tub of ice cream and you eat it by yourself. Or maybe your coping is that you have a glass of wine in the backyard and hope no one from church drives by. Or, you know, we've all got our little things and we hide them in shame. And we cope and we cover up. But can I tell you today that Jesus did not call you to a life of coping and covering up. He called you to a life where you can actually be free. And we don't have to live in this place where we keep messing up and then hiding in our shame. You know, not much has changed since the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid because of their shame. They hid like we could ever hide from God. But their sinful nature was exposed. Their spiritual eyes were open and they thought, I'm not like the God that I have relationship with. Suddenly their eyes were open to this fact that they were so different. There was something so ugly on the inside of them that they had never seen before. No wonder they hid in shame. And we do the same thing. This nature pops out of us. This whatever it is, this bad habit, this anger, whatever it is that we're bottling up inside, when it pops out, we go, oh, that's ugly. And that's so not like the life I want to live. And so we hide. The first thing we do is we hide from people. We pull away from the people who love us the most. Sometimes you'll see people in this cycle where they'll even pull away from church. They'll stop coming because they can't even get through an hour of putting the smile on their face. And you say, hey, Joe, I ran into you at the store. Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be back soon. I'll be back, right? We pull away from the community of people who love us the most because we're afraid. If they knew what I was really like, they wouldn't accept me and they wouldn't love me. 
I'm broken inside. Can I tell you something? We're all broken a little bit inside. We've all got a mess that we need Jesus to deal with. We need to pull in to community when we have these issues in our lives. You know, sometimes the bravest thing you can do is say, I need help. I need someone to come alongside of me and pray for me. There's a story in the Gospels, it's in every single one of the Gospels, about a man who was carried to a meeting. You can imagine it was just like this. Every chair was filled. There was people sitting in the aisles. I'm sure the kids were all at the front. The foyer, the lobby was filled. People couldn't even get in. It was so tight. And Jesus was preaching. And these guys had carried their friend on a mat to the meeting. We don't know how far they had to carry him. We don't know how far they walked to get him to Jesus. And they arrived, and the place is full. And so what did they do? They got up on the roof, and they made a hole in the roof, and they lowered their friend down on that mat in front of Jesus. And in every account of that, that story in Scripture, it says when Jesus saw their faith, Not the man's faith on the mat. It says when Jesus saw their faith. You know what? Those friends loaned their faith to their friend and brought him to Jesus for his healing. And he got his healing that day. And I don't know about you, but life isn't always easy for me. And I've needed friends in my community who would pick me up on my hardest days and carry me to Jesus and carry me to freedom because it's what I needed. I need people to pray over me when I don't know how to pray for myself. And I need people to speak truth over my life when I can't see it for myself. We need each other and we are wired to need each other in community. But shame is always going to want to isolate you. I love what um, this brother, I think his name was Brian, who came up here and gave the word this morning on shame. You probably had no idea that I was going to be speaking on shame today. I love how God does stuff like that. That's so cool. Shame is always going to make us pull away. It always makes us retreat and pull back from people and from God. Just like Adam and Eve hid in the garden, sometimes we try to hide in plain sight from God. And when I've had those moments where I've had those emotional outbursts or whatever happened, that's what it was for me. That's why I keep saying that. It may be something different for you. I would immediately feel that shame and I'd pull away from people, but I'd also pull away from God. And when I was in my my, probably my mid to late 20s, I went through this cycle over and over and over and over again. I'd have an outburst. I'd go, man, I don't like what that person looks like. I didn't know what to do with it. So I pulled away from people, and I pulled away from God. And I'd stop doing my devotions, and I'd stop going into prayer because it was like I was afraid if I came into his presence, I'd be completely exposed. Can I tell you something? That is exactly what we need, to run into his presence and be completely exposed, to allow him into those deepest, darkest places of our hearts where our hurts and our wounds reside, and allow him to bring his grace and his love into those places and heal them so that we can actually live free and break free from this continuous cycle of making a mistake, falling off the wagon, pulling away from people, and then coming running back to God and starting it all over again. And it's like I lived in that cycle for years and years and years, and it got me nowhere. I just kept going back to start, right? It's like walking around the Monopoly board, and I just kept going through jail and going back to start. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. 
I want to tell you today that it's time to break the cycle. We need to learn how to run back to the arms of Jesus. When we pull away from God, when we isolate ourselves and we pull away from other people in God, it's because we don't understand grace. It's because we don't understand that grace wasn't just a one-time force that saved us and brought us into the kingdom of life, but grace is what actually empowers us to live the life that Jesus has called us to. There's always going to be stuff this side of heaven. There's always going to be stuff for us to deal with. It's a journey, but step by step, the power of the Spirit of God living inside of us actually helps us to heal those things and be transformed and become a different person. I'm so glad I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be yet. But the power of God is still at work in my life, healing things and taking me further and closer to God. There's another story. Wow, I haven't even looked at my notes at all. There's another story in the scriptures, and, and if you've been in church for any amount of time, you probably know this story. We know this fellow just as the prodigal son. And he was a young man who had a rich father, who had an inheritance waiting for him. And when he was a young man, he took his inheritance, and he left home, and he squandered that inheritance. He spent it on what he thought was the fun life. Boy, can I relate to that story. Everything I knew that my father had promised me, I walked away from. And I squandered my life for four years. And it came to a place where I was just like this prodigal son. I had spent everything. He had a job basically in a pig pen, eating the pig food. That's all he basically had. Knowing that at home there was an incredible inheritance. And even though he had spent what he had, he thought maybe I could come home and just be like a servant in my father. Maybe I could just, you know, maybe he'd let me back in the door. I don't care if I don't get my inheritance back. I don't care if I'm not, you know, who I used to be anymore. I just want my foot in the door because that's better than being here in the pig pen. So he took the courageous step to start walking back home. And the Bible says that his father saw him coming afar off and he ran to him and embraced him. You know, that father would not have seen that son coming afar off if he wasn't standing on the road looking for him every day, wondering when is my son coming back home. And even though that young man positioned himself far away from his father, his identity as child never changed. In his mind, it probably did. In his mind, he thought, I just, I, if I could just be a slave, if I could just even come in and serve in my father's house. And that's how I think we feel sometimes. When we've messed up, when we've hit a failure or, or, or that old nature has popped out in our life, we kind of feel like we're not worthy, don't we? But can I remind you today that no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been, your identity as a child of God never changes. You never lose that identity. You don't have to come back to the altar time and time and time again. You don't have to go through this cycle of pulling away from God and coming back. We need to learn to just run to him like the prodigal son on that road and just run into his loving embrace. He wants to reveal things to us. 
You know, God is not a God who hides or keeps his voice from us. He's a God who reveals. He wants to speak to us. He wants to show us how he can heal those deep places of our hearts. He wants to. But we have to allow him. I often say, Jesus can't heal what we're not willing to reveal. If we're not willing to to bring it out into the light and say, God, I'm struggling with this. He can't actually heal it until we have that awareness and we actually say, God, I need you in this part of my life. So as long as we're covering it up and as long as we're burying it and hiding it, it's never going to get healed. We actually have to allow those things to come into the light. Is it hard? Yeah, it's really hard. I know. I've been there. My ugly, old, sinful nature was on display. You know, most people around me knew what that was before I did. When I look back on that time in my life, when I was actually healed from some deep wounds, where people, people, it was like everyone around me in my workplace would push those buttons. I'd go to the bathroom crying. I'd be like, what is wrong with me? I'm a 40-year-old woman. Like, why can I not handle this? Because there was something deep inside of my heart that I needed Jesus to heal. And sometimes those things come to the surface, not to embarrass you, not to knock you down, but so that God can actually heal them and you can live free. In the book of Romans, Paul goes on to say this. He doesn't leave us hanging in the struggle. In Romans 7, 25, he says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If we jump down to verse 12, it says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit in you, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. This is the answer. It's time to break the cycle and run to Jesus. He is the answer. And we don't have to live tied to those sinful deeds. We don't have to live tied to those things that have happened in the past or even those things that keep popping up right now in our present. We can actually be healed and live free. And you know what? The enemy is always going to want to keep you from believing you'll be free. If you are struggling with sin or you're struggling with one of these old issues that just keeps popping up in your life, can I tell you today the greatest lie that you will ever believe is that you will never be free. And the enemy wants to whisper that to us all of the time. When you pick up that tub of ice cream and go, see, you're never going to be free from that. You're always going to be tied to this thing. When you have that outburst of anger, he whispers, see, I told you you'll never be free. And we believe it. But I'm here to tell you today that that's a lie. It is a lie. You can be free. And by the power of the Spirit working in you, you will be free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you're never going to have to go back and walk around that circle again. You can be free. And I am living proof here today to tell you because when people say those things that used to push my buttons... Now I can just, you know, there's still a reaction that happens inside of me. I still feel hurt, but I can just close my mouth and be quiet and go on with my day. I don't have to have an emotional outburst or yell at somebody or let that slip out because the power of the Spirit at work in me has healed that place in my life. And I have a different reaction 
You know, sometimes we have reactions that are comfortable, that we've filtered, um, that we haven't filtered out in our life through our new spirit, man. We need to learn to have new reactions. We are not called to live in reaction to the darkness around us. We are called to live in response to the light within us. It's a different kind of life. I, I just have one more thing to say, and then I'm going to pray for you guys. I believe the enemy is scared of our freedom. Because free people free people. And once you're free, you'll never stop telling other people how to get free. Once you're free, you will spend the rest of your life telling everyone around you how they can be free too. Till my last breath, I will preach this message and tell people that they can be free. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint of the most high God. You have an identity as a child of God and you can run confidently into the arms of Jesus anytime that you need to. He says we can have confidence and boldness to come into his throne room and ask anything that we need. And what do we need? We need to understand the truth and apply it to our lives. So I'm going to ask you this in this moment. If you want to just close your eyes and bow your heads, I don't know how you normally end your services, but I want to pray over you today. And if this message has just been echoing with you today, if you can go, yeah, Brenda, you know what? I can relate to that. I've had this struggle and I've been in this cycle. As we pray today, I want you to just slip your hand up, not for me, not for anyone else around you, but just so that in front of God, you say, God, I am surrendering this part of my life to you today. So as you slip your hand up into the air, we're just going to pray, God, you see every hand that is raised in this place. You see every heart that is open and broken before you. And God, I just ask that in this moment, you would pour out your love and pour out your grace into those places of our lives that need to be filled and need to be healed. And God, we pray that there would be transformation in hearts today that you would actually reveal your truth about that situation, that you would actually reveal your nature to us, that you would reveal your grace and your love in that area of our lives. And God, as we surrender these, these pieces to you, the broken pieces, we know that you are a God who heals. You bind our broken hearts and you heal them. And so God, we just ask that there would be healing in these places of our lives where we have felt pain and wounding. And God, we pray that we would see transformation in our reactions, and in the way we live, that we could be good witnesses of your love and your grace to the world around us. So God, we give you these things, and we ask that your will would be done in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much uh, for listening this morning. It's my pleasure to be with you.